From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you're going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I'm Kyle Wenzel. And we're excited to have you guys back uh, for another show today. And we've got a special guest today we're excited about. And I know we always talk about some crazy tough topics and we go usually to the deep end of the pool. But we're going to take a break from the deep topics today. And we're going to have a a little fun, but we're going to get educated. And we're going to talk about Christian dating today. And I think this is something that we all have have most of us have went through if we're married or we might be going through it right now. You know, just the whole dating scene. Um, I can't imagine going back into the dating world right now. Uh, It's a little bit crazy, Um, but this is where we are today. And we're going to talk to Landon Swain. Landon Swain, he actually graduated from Liberty University. And, and he graduated in business and youth ministry. He has a book coming out now. So you're getting like a super sneak peek about this book because the book's not out yet. It's actually in the editing process. And um, so you're getting a, a very early sneak peek of this book. And so we're excited to have uh, Landon on and we're going to talk about detox dating and and what that looks like. And we'll say this again at the end of the show, but if you want to follow Landon and and find out when the book is actually coming out and where to get it, you're going to follow him at, at Detox Christian Dating. It's at Detox Christian Dating. And Landon Swain joins us now. Landon, thanks for being on the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Hey, I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. So we're going to just jump right in. I know you and I, we had a discussion over the phone yesterday and just really enjoyed talking to you and you know, looking at some of your TikToks. Now, I will say this. I didn't mention this. I should have. Uh, so he's got over 28,000 followers on TikTok. I'm not quite in the TikTok world. So, and I want to say I'm not old. It's, that's not the problem. <laughs> I just haven't migrated. I've got the Facebook and the Instagram and I've Snapchat. I don't barely use it, but TikTok is kind of newer for me. So don't worry. Kyle and I are going to have some funny videos on TikTok one day. <laughs> uh, um, but Landon, he's, he's conquered it. He's got over 28,000 people following him there. And he's just got some great videos. Um, as I was just watching some of his on dating and dating culture, Christian dating, I thought he just made some, um, just some great points. And so mm-hmm. I guess my first question for you, Landon, is how did you even get into this whole thing of, of wanting to write about Christian dating? Like, wh- how, where did that come from? Yeah. So as you said, I graduated from Liberty University 
And while I was there, I worked for the student activities department. So we did the concerts, the bingo nights, open mic nights, all that stuff. And part of what we do is we do this giant event called Coffee House, which is like a, a giant variety show. And it's like a giant inside joke. Everybody goes, they perform music, they make videos. It's kind of making fun of campus. It's just, it's a good time. And so one theme that we were going to do, we were going to do it right before COVID and then COVID hit, so we canceled the event, but we were going to do a late night television show themed one. So taking a little bit of carpool karaoke and doing Billy on the street and all that stuff. And so I wanted to do a John Oliver report where he does, goes like super in depth on a topic. I wanted to do one of those and I wanted to talk about something that like people on campus deal with that I could make fun of, but I could also prove a point. And so I was, so the dating culture, I've had conversations for years about the dating culture, just within Liberty, but also within Christianity at large. And so I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I need to get like numerical data. So put out a couple surveys just on Instagram. I was just like, how do you guys feel about this? Tell me your stories, tell me whatever. And people had really just a lot of negative things to say. Of course, there's some positive, but people had just a lot of negative things to say. And so I was, I was kind of blown away by it a little bit. Like it was overwhelmingly negative. And so then I was thinking, all right, is this just a Liberty thing? Or is this a, is this a like Christian college thing? I wasn't sure if it was an isolated incident. So I reached out to some friends to go to some other Christian colleges or, around the country. And they said basically the same thing. Like the, the stuff that they dealt with, different things that people said, the weird pressures. They, they were like, yeah, that's, that's present here too. And I was like, man, this, I wonder if this is like a Christian thing. And so I reached out to friends at secular colleges that are in Christian communities there. And they were like, yeah, kind of some same deals here. And I was like, and then I talked to my dad and he was like, I mean, I'm just doing the, with the same stuff that you were dealing with back in my days. So I was realizing this was a multi, multi-generational, multi-denominational, multi-regional problem. And so what started off was supposed to be just a simple five minute segment at a, at a variety show turned into, I was going to write a couple blog posts about it just for my work. And then I was like, the more I looked at it, the more I was like, I have a lot here. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I might as well. And then I like ambitious projects. So I just said, I'm going to write a book. And then I like kind of said it, but <laughs> didn't realize I was actually going to do it. And then when uh, COVID hit, like that really helped as far as just free time to write a book. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what I did most of uh, most of uh, quarantine, and uh, just uh, thankfully I already had a few of the books on the topic that I wanted to read, and it just kind of just worked out. And now I'm about a year and a half later, I'm here. Wow. You, you know, your free time, you wrote a book. My free time. I found new things to eat at Taco Bell. So hey, each each is good. Each is good. I, each I is... consider both of them ambitious projects. <laughs> what, is, what is your uh, what's your go to? What's you what do you what's your favorite new discovery from Taco Bell? Honestly, all I discovered at Taco Bell was that it was all the same ingredients just mixed up in different order. And so, <laughs> but, but to be honest, the one thing I've always been frustrated, they can take things off the menu. Just stop taking the nacho fries off the menu. I like the nacho fries. They took, apparently it's back. They took away the breakfast menu in my area and they're so, they had a sausage crunch wrap that was to die for. And listen, I'm so mad that they got rid of it. Listen, that 
Tim, okay, you're gonna get this. Could be a whole episode. So oh boy, the boy. I feel disrespectful to McDonald's because McDonald's breakfast, in my point, man, there's just nothing like the sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin. However, what? if I'm going to pick any breakfast, it's going that that crunch wrap from Taco Bell. The nice. commercials are true. You can get everything done with one other hand. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. I just listen, listen, and the. Okay, I digress. I digress. L- listen, man. The the <laughs> I, listen. What's better than all of that? Probably, and no, it's not Chick Fil A's breakfast. I've only had it once, and it wasn't oh. as good as I thought. But, you want to talk about Christian pressure? We can bring up Chick Fil A. Oh, oh, I, oh, I got videos. <laughs> oh. I got opinion on that. Uh t- oh boy. Well, the, t- the here's here's the thing. Tim Hortons, their breakfast sandwiches are great. I I've well, never I've never been to a Tim Hortons. I don't think I've ever seen a Tim Hortons. Oh oh, maybe they don't have them in your in your area. He doesn't um, live close enough to Canada. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a Canadian I'm, thing. Yeah, I'm I'm is in it? Virginia. Yeah, Tim Hortons is is Canadian. I did not know that. Wow. But you want to know why? You want to know why? Is because America runs on Duncan, Kevin. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Well, I can just see how uh, this episode's gonna go. The boys right, are here. Right. I'm sorry, oh. ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. You, they know me. They know I'm a foodie. And uh, yeah, if well, we had listen, if you had what, Kyle? Just, just, just. If if we had the perfect America, it'd be Duncan Duncan Donuts and Taco Bell on every corner. You like Dunkin' Donuts that much? Dunkin' Donuts my favorite, dude. What do you get from there? You, do you, I mean, is it just the donuts, or is it like other stuff? No, I don't even get the donuts. I like their uh, croissant sandwiches, and I oh, like yeah. their coffee. The coffee, bro. They're co- I just Everything else to me is watered down or too bitter. They're like the perfect, the perfect balance between, <laughs> like, delicious. Like, I can make, listen, listen. I will I will go with you to a Dunkin' Donuts and make your same coffee you get from Tim Hortons. I I will pay for your coffee and more if you tell me it's not it's not better. Is it better than uh, Starbucks? Starbucks? I'm not I'm not like I'm not giving them my kid for coffee. Like it's too expensive for coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> oh boy! Like I feel like I feel like it's walking into a Chipotle and you got to pay extra for guacamole when the guacamole <laughs> should already be there. So no, I just Starbucks. I'm just bitter. They have bitter coffee, and I have bitter feelings towards Starbucks. Wow. Well. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Uh, back to dating. It looks like Kyle's uh, in a relationship with Dunkin' Donuts. Apparently. <laughs> but, oh man. But but yeah. So really, really excited to have Landon on today, and and you know talking about dating, talking about the this whole culture of dating, and you know I know we have a lot of young adults listening. We've got youth listening. You may have a a a, a, parent, a child, right? Uh, you could be a parent that's that's in back into the dating world, right? Mm-hmm. You you could have a grandchild. So I think all of this is just going to be great for you. And so Landon, let's just get into it. So you talk in your book, your upcoming book about the four main pressures of Christian dating. And I I I you know, I have a 24-year-old daughter who is currently single. And so we go through this. We talk about these things a lot, right? And she's dated people and and all that. And you hear some of these things that you have in your book 
you hear this stuff all the time. So talk to us a little bit about the pressures of Christian dating. I, I know one of them you say is you talk a little bit about the, the I need to have kids. So this is kind of like debunking the myths yeah. of, <laughs> of, of Christian dating. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, these aren't like the only pressures that are there, but these are just four that I've happened to see repeatedly over time. As far as the having kids thing, I think that's the large emphasis is it's like you got to be a husband or, or a wife and you got to be a parent. Like you got to be able to on your obituary say that and people act like you don't have a complete life if you don't. And I'm not against having kids. Heck no, I want sure. kids. Right. But it's more like a when we've made that into the ultimate thing. I think that that has just put a lot of pressure on people to get married really quick so that they can have as many babies as they can. And I feel like some people make some bad decisions about who to get into a relationship with because they just know that I need to get married quick so that I can have kids. Mm. Uh, and that kind of ties into the biological clock argument, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But I think that the larger emphasis should be on making disciples rather than making kids. Now, the kids that you make could be the disciples that you are having, but not everybody is going to get married. Not everybody is going to be able to have kids uh, just for medical reasons, just sure. for a variety of different things. But regardless of whether you are single or married, you can make disciples. That's a your relationship status doesn't matter, but you are right. supposed to fulfill the Great Commission regardless. And so I think that that should be our prime emphasis is on making disciples rather than multiplying physically. Because then it's like, okay, if, if I'm married, then I'm still making disciples. If I'm single, I'm still making disciples. And it gets you more in line with what the actual biblical commission is. Because like, yes, all four having kids, but like, if we're not making disciples, then the, the, kind of what's the point? Like, that's not our ultimate calling and not everybody can do that. Right. Yeah. And that, that's what really, I watched one of your videos and you addressed something that I don't think I've ever heard addressed before and actually approached it in a way that I don't think I've ever heard it even approached before. But you talked about like God's, really God's commission to, to Adam and Eve to multiply, right? And how we've even, we've woven that into our marriage speeches. I've done it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I've married people and that's been like my go-to verse just to start, you know? But we talk about how like, and you, you brought it up on how like the context and everything that was happening in that moment is much different than what we see now. Like there were things that had to happen happen in that time that don't necessarily have to happen now. And, and, and it, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but I've always taken the stance of, well, this is God's construct of a family, you know? Mm. And so mm -hmm. by me saying, I'm just going to be single or I'm just going to be celibate, you know? And, and here's why I say that is because we're, we're going through a sexuality series right now and, and with our teenagers and we're telling them, like, hey, listen, like the temptation isn't the sin. The action towards the temptation is a sin. And so if you are struggling with same-sex attraction and you're going to choose to be celibate the rest of your life, that is you honoring God. Where on the flip side, I've always been taught, well, if I want to be celibate, am I, am I rebelling against God and his construct of a family? And so, you know what I'm saying? And so whether we're talking on the, the gay side of things or we're just talking on 
marriage isn't for me. Like marriage is just something that I'm not going to do. I, I, I'm just, I'm better off single. Can you kind of speak to that a little bit for those of us that have never even understood or heard that? Yeah. So, I mean, first Corinthians seven, where, where Paul talks about like, it's better for you not to be married. And there's like theories that Paul was married at one point and became a widower because there's a lot of theory behind it, but like Paul didn't have kids, but he did have spiritual children. And so it was like a, yeah. Like, yes, he didn't have family in, in the like physical sense of like, oh, this is, this is my wife. These are my kids, my kids, but he was still able to have children, quote unquote, because he was making spiritual children in the form of disciples. And so for somebody that is celibate, like, like you're not going to have a spouse, but I mean, Paul saying, Hey, that might even be better because then if you are, if you're being dedicated to this. You're not going to have the distraction of a spouse and distraction, not meaning a spouse is a bad thing. I, I mm-hmm. think when, when, when we hear the word distraction, we often think like, oh, this is something bad. Because normally when you get distracted, it's bad, but it's more like distraction in the sense of responsibility. Like if mm-hmm. you're going to be married, you got to tend to your wife. You got to right. tend to your kids if you have them. And mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing. That's just a unique responsibility that you have. And so while you are entrusted with them, you're not going to be able to go out as much to make disciples and, and do stuff that you would be able to do if you didn't, if you weren't married or, or had kids. So I think that the, I'm not against the family unit, of course. Like, and, and like you said, I think that Adam and Eve's context of we, they specifically had to really have kids because that's how we got here <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they, they really needed to. And I, and I believe that, I do believe that if you are married, then that it should be something that you should try for. Uh, not everybody's going to be able to. And I'm, I'm not saying it has to be like a, you get married and then a month later you're trying. But like, I, I think that if our emphasis is on making disciples, then it becomes a, okay, if I'm not married, that's not the end of the world. Like that, my purpose isn't, isn't decided by that. Uh, I, I say in the book, uh, my worth isn't determined by who is holding my hand, but it's determined by who created my hand. And so I think that when we have our priorities straight and it becomes, Hey, I'm not married. Okay. I'm married. Okay. Regardless, I can make disciples and, and I can do what I need to do to fulfill the great commission, regardless of where I'm at. So that, that helps the celibate person where it becomes, okay, the burden of, the, kind of like the, the downside of, okay, if I'm not going to get married, what am I supposed to do? Paul's saying that's better. Paul's saying that's, that's great. It's said like, if we, if we, when we idolize marriage too much, when we put it too much on a pedestal, put parenting too much on a pedestal, then it becomes significantly harder for the people that we're calling to celibacy, the people that we're calling to singleness and, and different things like that. It becomes significantly harder because they feel like they're really missing out on something. And in a sense yeah. they are. But it's, it's when, when we focus in on you can make disciples still, then it's like, no, I'm not missing out on anything. I'm freer than people that are married to be able to do this. Right. Yeah. It, it, you're speaking to like a cookie cutter version of a Christian person, basically. Like we feel like there has to be some sort of structure that we build in order to, to level up. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's what I appreciated the most about your video was it's like, debunking this unnecessary pressure that 
there needs to be this certain amount of re- this specific responsibility, not certain amount because that's not fair, but a specific responsibility that we have to have if we're going to level up as a Christian man or a Christian woman. And I love the perspective because, yeah, both of those are beneficial. And, mm-hmm. and, and with both of those, you're going to have benefits of one or the other, but you still get to do what your purpose is to do, glorifying God in the same ways and ultimately making disciples. And so, yeah, I love that you hit on that. And, and personally, I think it's going to help those. I love your quote, man. I think it's going to help those because I know individuals that just can't have kids. And that is just an unnecessary burden too. But when, when you can get the perspective, if it's not about who's holding my hand, because as a dad, I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. I know what it feels like to have a kid, a four-year-old, five-year-old reach out and go, just grab your hand. I mean, there's something about that that you're just like, <laughs> but but there are a lot of us guys that are experiencing that that don't experience the one who created our hand yeah and so and there's a whole nother level of feeling to that and there's a whole nother level of validation to that and so again man i just think it's good that you speak to both of those because there's a validation there that can't be matched yeah yeah and, and i think that the like i mean we saw it in the old testament with different people like hannah and a few different women that weren't able to have children, they weren't less valuable because they weren't able to have kids. That's right. And, and yes, there was right. a lot of like cultural things going on there that, that's a lot different than our modern context in the U.S. But we, like they, she was, Elizabeth and John the Baptist's mother was mm-hmm. just as valuable when she was able to have John as she was before John and before even Zachariah or Zachariah. Right. I don't know why I'm blanking on the name. But uh, like she still had value and that value was determined by her creator, not by her marital status or her parenthood status. Yeah. And that, yeah, I, I just think that's so important, Landon, because, you know, when, when you look at that, you know, you have the people who say, well, blessed is the man whose quiver is full, which I, I totally get that. And I say that as a response to this American way of looking at things is saying, well, I'm only going to have one kid or I'm only going to have two kids because if I have more than two kids, well, then I can't buy my Escalade and I can't buy my, you know, million dollar home and I can't have this and that. And I would say, you know, the Bible puts a, you know, says blessed is the person who has a lot of kids. It is the American dream that's caused us to think for some reason that kids are a bad thing. And well, now I have a kid, I can't do anything. They're so expensive and I just can't, you know, so it, there's that one extreme, right? Where, where it's like, you know, somebody is saying, well, you should have as many kids as possible, right? You know, and, and I, I think the things that you're saying here is saying, look, you could get married and like you and Kyle have said, you could have miscarriages or you could have, I mean, something could happen. You find out that you can't even have children. You are no less valuable, even though the Bible does say, blessed is the man whose quiver is full, right? Like the Bible supposes that you're going to understand the whole balance of it and realize that, yes, if you can have kids, absolutely awesome. But if you can't, you are no less valuable. And that should not be this, you know, I've reached a pinnacle. And I've, I, you know, everything is right with the world. You know, if I, if, if I do have, and if I don't, then something is wrong with me. And I think you nodded to that a little bit, Landon, when you talked about other cultures, because other cultures, 
they look at that as, hey, you're cursed or, you know, something's wrong with you. You know, what's wrong with you that you can't? And you're looked down upon, down upon. And that's, that's not what, that's not God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and kind of tying into the biological clock argument, like people, I, I've, I've, I feel like a lot of times it's not stated. It's more like a read between the lines thing. I think that some people will rush into relationships because they know, hey, I got to get cracking on being able to have kids. And within Christianity, like we have, we have that, that sex is reserved for marriage. And so some people that they, they, they know one, if they're going to enjoy the pleasure of sex that we've emphasized, like we've like, we, you and me talked about it yesterday. We, we've made sex to seem like it is the grandest thing that has ever existed. Yes. Like, as like, it's, it is heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and like, I've never had it, but I, mean, I can, uh, from the, from the biological, from the looking at the nerve endings, from, from peer reviews, everyone says it's a, it's fun. It's, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know, but, uh, but like, like when we make it so much of an emphasis, it, it adds to that pressure of, man, I got to get married so that I can ha- be in these confines of being able to, 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 ha- to have that. I got to get married really quick. And then on the other side of it is I got to get married really quick. So that if I'm going to have a couple years, just me and my spouse, which, which people attest to being good for, like, then I got to get married quick. If I'm going to be able to have the amount of kids that I want to have. And I think that it, we, one, we like overvalue sex as, as being like too much of a motivator for wanting to get married. Like it's a, it's a factor, not, not saying it's not, I'm just saying that like when we make that, our primary focus instead of who we're going to be in it with and truly evaluating, like, is this the type of person I want to be with for the rest of my life? Is this the type of person I want to be in this covenant with? Uh, Cause, cause I was, I've been surprised uh, over, over time. I I can't find a a full out statistic on it, but I've just talked to a bunch of people that they have gotten married really fast and then they've gotten divorced very soon after and they're Christians. And, and it's partially because they didn't know the person. They don't understand the assignment. They don't understand covenant, but they also like didn't know the person they were getting it, into it with. And so with the, the biological clock thing, I think that we shouldn't make it so that I got to get married really fast so that I can have kids. I think you can take your time. And I think that we should value the options of adoption and foster care because there's rampant need. And so even if you get to a point where, hey, I'm not able to have kids biologically because it's been a minute since I've been able, like, and I haven't, kind of my time has passed to be able to biologically have kids, you still have options and you still are able to make spiritual children and are able to pour into people. So you're, you're not limited and you don't have to throw caution to the wind and get married to somebody really quick just because you're worried about not being able to have kids. You have that option. And even if, like there's just so many different ways that you can have kids in a sense. Right. Yeah. And I, I find myself saying this quote a lot now, but one of our staff members, a pastor on our staff, he, he had said the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. And that, I think that holds true for this because I just being in youth ministry now for eight years, but just really being in ministry probably for close to a little over a decade, I, we're seeing a trend of students graduating ministry school, they're usually engaged in their last year of schooling. And 
it almost seems to me, especially in ministry, and I, and I, I want to speak to this for a minute because I think there needs to be a little bit of an opposing voice for this. I don't like there always being a prerequisite that in order to hire someone in ministry, they have to be married. Because what it does, we're graduating students at 20, 21, 22 years old, and it's almost a prerequisite that, well, then I also have to be married or getting married if I'm going to apply for a job right out of ministry school. And what that does is it breeds toxicity. It breeds unhealth. There, there isn't that maturity there. Some people don't need to be married until their 30s. I mean, yeah. financially, there's a reason. Emotionally, mentally, there's a reason. I mean, and so I know that in the next episode, we're going to cover a lot of like idolizing sex. So I don't want to go there right now because yeah. uh, I think that's going to be a huge conversation we have. But I just, I feel like we're setting up. And when I say we, I'm talking leaders, like guys like me who've been now a decade in that are almost having these unnecessary and unrealistic expectations of these guys that we're going to hire, these girls that we're going to hire. And I think that we're setting them up for unhealth and then we're, we're requiring health. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we're saying, I need you to do this really unhealthy thing, but I'm going to expect health out of it. It's like saying, eat a Snickers every day, eat donuts every day, but I'm going to need you to have a certain body mass index also. Well, and so that's my point in that. And I just, I get frustrated because I do see it and some people can handle it and maybe majority can. There's really no, tr I guess, true statistic to finding out personally or, or selectively who can handle younger marriages and can't. But what I, I can tell you from ground zero is the trend I'm noticing is I go to, I go to college during Bible college, I'm finding my wife and then I'm engaged within my last year. And then I'm married within my first year of ministry. That is a lot of change. Yeah. That is a lot because you are carrying the weight of students. <laughs> Believe it or not, I walk out of this youth room and some days I'm depressed because I'm just carrying problems that aren't mine. And I have to re, like, re recalibrate my, my brain before I go home because it's not my problem. Like, I can help, but it's not my problem to fix all the time. And then, then you're going to ask that same young person to then manage and serve and lead his wife or serve her husband or whatever it is that th that dynamic looks like. I feel like that's where a lot of the pressure is. And then we'll get into it, but we look at sex as this, it's going to fix it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes sex is the problem. And so, <laughs> and so, you know what I'm saying? And so I just, man, I just feel like what you're discussing, this whole detox and Christian dating and man, I just think it's going to be a very important topic that's just going to grow. And I feel like people are going to, I just, I feel like it's going to be a, almost like, you know how, like in the West, fitness was a big thing, like in California and, yeah, yeah. and now with the gym, the whole gym sensation has kind of moved eastward and we're seeing it in the Midwest now. I just feel like this is a topic that's approaching us. And if the church isn't careful, not only, and I speak the church in general, I don't like using the church term very much, but globally, I just feel like if we don't. If we don't get a grasp on this, it's going to be another topic that we're not educated on enough that we're not going to be suited to handle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so, I, but I also think it's, it's here because we're creating it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a sense, if that may, if that makes. No, yeah, yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying. I, I think that there's, I'm mainly with the book. I'm not trying to like, this is the end all be all. I'm trying to right. start conversations because I right. could very well be wrong about something. I could be wrong about like, people feel this pressure. They're like, no, we don't. Like, you know, I, I, I haven't talked to every Christian in the United States. 
Right. But I want to be able to like it be, hey, let's let's in an ideal world, I will be able to travel to like Christian colleges and talk with people and be like, all right, here are different phrases that I've noticed could be potentially problematic. I want you to listen to what I have to say about like how maybe this isn't the best. And then I want you to go back to your dorm and I want you to talk with your friends about, okay, when someone says this or when someone makes me feel like I have to do this, how does that actually make you feel? And practically, does that line up biblically? And how does that impact the culture at large? Because people are uh, like, like somebody saying, uh, like God told me, which I think we might talk about later. Like when someone says, God told me we should break up, but God told me that you're my future spouse. How does that actually make people feel? And I want people to talk about that because I think because we haven't talked about it enough, it's become a problem. And, and that's, it's like the, it's the elephant in the room and we need to discuss it in order yeah. to be able to deal with it. Well, yeah, because then, then people get hurt by God instead of people, right? And then exactly like, well, no, I was still a person and that person could have very well been wrong <laughs> or yeah. it could have been right, could have been right. And it could not have been God that even said it. So, yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I love you talking about the pressures because everybody who's dating right now, you have all of these pressures. And especially if you're a Christian and you're dating, you even have any, even more rules that you feel like you have right. to follow and these right. expectations that you have. And right. it's just, it's sometimes it's just too much. And I, and I think we have to realize, and, and I, that's why I love because you're so scripturally based. You're so like everything you say, you're like, Hey, is it biblical? Or is it, are we just coming up with these mm -hmm. things, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, I mean, when you dig, we have, we've come up with the rules. We've said, oh, well, you, you've got to be married to be, a, you know, to, to be in ministry or you've got to, you know, like all of these things. And it's like, wait a minute, who set those rules? Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you know, and I understand in Timothy talks about, but I guess what, what I guess my thing is this. You know, I look at one of them, you talk about the median age of marriage, right? Yeah. And you, you know, we have this idea that, well, you should be married by 22 or 23 or whatever. Then if you get married at 30, somehow there was a failure to launch, right? I mean, we even have movies about this, right? Where, where it's like, like, wow, you're 30, you're still at home and you haven't, you haven't gotten married yet. And my, and my answer to that would be, well, hmm, let's go back and look at all the people who got married at 20 and ask how many of those people are still married, right? Yeah. Because they had, a, they didn't have a clue what they were looking for. And I'll tell you, from, even for me, it took me, like, I got married really young. And I look at it, I, I go back and I look today, and there's no way I should have been making, making that, thank God, I, you know, I ended up with the right person, you know what I'm saying? But, but I shouldn't have been making that decision when I did, because I had no idea what I, what I was looking for. I had no idea what, who I was going to become or my career. I, I didn't know anything, right? But yet it was, you know, it was the right thing to do <laughs> based on what? That, that, you know what I'm saying? Like, based on what? So, but talk a little bit about this, this whole median age of marriage thing. Yeah. So as I've kind of, what Kyle was talking about with like leaders kind of leading the way and in a sense creating this pressure, I've seen a lot of different speakers use the statistic of the median age of marriage has risen over six years for both men and women compared to what it was in the 1970s. That's a real statistic. I'm not denying the, the accuracy of that statistic. I'm more, my argument is with 
the way that we interpret that as far as like always interpreting that in the negative. Yes, there's a lot of different reasons why people might be getting married later. It might just be like, we're being more difficult than we need to be, or, or our standards are like way too high. Uh, and, and so that there's, there's some validity to that part of it. But when it's like a, okay, if somebody reaches 30, then like, how, why on earth are they not married beforehand? It's like, man, like some people don't meet people like a person that they would want to marry until like way later on. I, I had a buddy of mine. He's probably at this point is 28. I think he is, but he, he slid into the DMS of a, a girl that I know. And she told me about it and she was like, eh, and she's like 22. And I was like, why are you so like apprehensive? He's a great guy. Like he, he's attractive, like, and he's, he's actively serving and it, just a lot of, a lot of, green lights and she was like well he's just old and i feel like maybe there's something like off there and it's like then now we like treat people that are in their later 20s like they got the plague or something like they're expired milk and there's nothing wrong <laughs> there's there's nothing wrong with them they're just they like sometimes people were in relationships for a long time and then it didn't work out so they broke up and then they had like a couple years added on and it's it's when when we realize that I don't have to have everything, I don't have to have the American dream by the time I'm 30, I don't have to have all the stuff. It's not the end of the world. And right. our value isn't determined by that. And, and so if I get married, if I get married next month, or if I get married 10 years from now, that's fine. Yeah. And even if I never get married, I mean, I mean, for somebody that has the desire, that would kind of suck just because like, mm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not discrediting that like, yeah, this is a little hard, but mm -hmm. like my life isn't without meaning just because I have it. I had a great romance, like yeah. that's fine. And, and so that, that puts a lot of, I think that there's, I think that there are couples that are together that know that they shouldn't be, but because of the pressures that we put in Christian dating culture, breakups have become significantly harder. Partially because we, in my, in my circles at least, I've noticed that Christians very much broadcast their relationships on social media. So that contributes to a lot. So it's like, kind of like you have to do a PR thing once you break up with somebody because everybody knows. But two, there's such, there's such expectation on relationships. And I'm, and I'm all for, if you, if you know that you don't want to get married within any reasonable time and you're dating somebody, you're a fool. Like you're, you're there just messing with somebody. So like at the very least know that that's what you want, but you don't have to like rush to get there. Yeah. But like we, when we set such a, a, a big, like I got to get married by, by this age and I got to be able to do all this stuff. Then if you're dating somebody, it's like, I do, do I want to break up? Like if I break up, then that means that I won't be able to do that. And then I might be contributing to that statistic. I might be increasing the average and it's like nothing's, you can break up with somebody. That's right. fine. Right. You don't have to stay with somebody if you don't want to be with them or if you recognize that something's wrong. You don't have to compromise just because you're worried about not fulfilling some thing about, oh, I got to be married by this age and I got to be a parent by this age, all that stuff. I, I, I think that the, the pressures kind of build on one another. And I think that the pressure's not building on one another. I think they come from, we just think it's systematic. Yeah. I know that that's how I viewed it. I want to I wanna be married by 24, 23. 
I want to have my first kid by 25 because I don't want to be 70 years old playing basketball with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, literally. And, and, and like, and then I'm like, and then, and then I, I can get through the harder phases in my 20s. So in the 30s, we can kind of cruise. In the 40s, we can, I had this entire plan of like what I wanted. And that, I'm just going to be honest. Like, if you have a plan without planning, you're probably not using any wisdom. If you th- like, and, but I think that that's what we, we feel like life's just going to fall into place because we're married. And what we really don't understand is life is really just beginning <laughs> because you're married. And that plan that you thought you had, it's going to change because now you're adding a whole nother life in with yours. And, and there's just, there's finances, there's emotions, there's, there's life altering situations that happen. And we just have to realize that marriage isn't the end all be all and it's not the all of a sudden it's not just like the start of your new journey it, you're bringing someone along with your journey and you're partnering with someone else's journey and it becomes one but i just feel like we have this false sense of like false narrative when it comes to marriage and an expectation of it and so that's why i'm i will i don't think i'll ever look at it the same now that i am married like we need to make sure that we we are using wisdom, that we are using discernment, and that we have a, a plan and we know that because of marriage, that plan could change. And if it does change, that we're going to be comfortable with that changing because ultimately, it's who we're serving. And so that's, that's just, I feel like this talk, man, if I could broadcast this to all of our, all of our students, man, that they're, they're going in. I know it's not just for ministry, but a lot of these pressures, this Christian dating pressures, if I could just like get the colleges to hear this conversation, put this like, put this in, put these 40 minutes, 45 minutes in for your students to have them rethink, am I dating this person because I have a plan to get married or am I dating this person because I want to get married and this is the person I want to marry? Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. that, because that's such a good distinction. Because we drag people along and then we're like, why do we fight every, you get married. Why? I swear, there's conversations. He or she just hates ministry, hates that I'm in ministry. Hey, every, well, that's probably because you drug the person into a marriage for ministry instead of marrying the person because you wanted to marry that person. Right. You genuinely wanted to do whatever life had for you with that person. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, and it doesn't have to be ministry, it can be anything, you know? And then there's a whole other conversation of, well, you, your spouse can support that, but your spouse does not have to drive that either. Yeah. So. Yeah. So there's that, there's that conversation, but yeah. I think that the glamorizing of, of weddings, like uh, Jim Elliott is like a totally opposed to like how rampantly like, like luxurious weddings have become. I think that because we've glamorized weddings so much, a lot of people really just want the wedding and not the spouse. Like yep. it's such like oh, a, it's, true. it's such a, oh, I get to, I get to the dress and I'm not a po I heck I want a big wedding. Cause I know yeah. like a million people and I know, I know like I want it to be like a big thing. I'm not opposed to that, but it's more like a, I, I think that that's a cultural conversation to have is yeah. uh, man. Am I just doing this because I want that aesthetic. I want that, this, the status of like the ring on the finger. And, and like, I feel like it's kind of like a, I am loved and everyone knows that I'm loved. And it's like a, I can have, I have a way to prove it. And it's like yep. you were loved before the rain. And, and that's, that should be our bigger emphasis with all these conversations that I want to start with, like the pressures of like median age of marriage and all that stuff. I'm not like opposed. If somebody does get married at 22, that's okay. I'm not mad yeah. at you. Yeah. And I, and like some people, yep. you have that conversation, they're ready. They're, they're at a point where they can do that. 
but I at least want to have the conversation of, all right, not everybody is. And what, how, how has the culture contributed to you thinking that maybe you had to, but if you're going to do great in it, I mean, thrive, like do, do like it, it, it don't matter to me. I want you to have a thriving relationship, but I want to talk about the pressure to, to get to that point quick. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, yeah. And I think a lot of people listening, Landon, it's a lot of social pressure, right? Yep. It's in the sense that, well, all my girlfriends are getting married. You know, is there something wrong with me? You know, all the guys, man, they really seem to be finding this great, these great girls. You know, how come I can't? We go to the same school or we go to the same church or, you know, whatever the case. And I feel like a lot of them, they just, they just, it's the social pressure because it, it we do have Facebook and Instagram and all of this stuff. And they just see time after time. Oh man, so-and-so just got proposed to, oh man, another one of my friends. It's the syndrome of, you know, being the bridesmaid all the time. Like I've been the bridesmaid for seven weddings, never the bride. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's, I think sometimes when parents say things like, well, you know what? Like, Listen, you got to you make sure you wait for the right person or or all the things. But no one wants to hear that. They you know what I mean? Like who wants to hear that? Like well, how come they but and they looking at well, what about the seven weddings that I was just a part of? How come they didn't have to wait? They were all oh, yeah. between 22 and 24, right? <laughs> I I like I like you said earlier, I've the books like mostly edited. So like all, all almost all of the content is written like uh, probably like a few weeks ago, I thought of this and I added it. And I was like, man, I, pro- I feel bad for my editor. I'm giving her more stuff to do. But I, I thought about that. I was like, I feel like people make it sound like when somebody gets married, they have arrived. It's finally their time. And it's, it's the, the stars were lined up. And, and so the, the bridesmaid, always the bridesmaid, never the bride phenomenon is because people feel like, man, I, I have not become what I need to become. And then God will reward me with a spouse. It, it, like I've heard people mm-hmm. say, when, when I become totally content, then God will send the spouse. And it's like, what on earth does that look like? No. How many people do you know that they're like, <laughs> I, have, I, have reached, I have reached Olympus and now I'm ready. And so now that, now that I act like I don't need it, then God will give it. And yes, there's like times where it's like, it just kind of comes out of the blue, but we're, we're telling people that all of their maturity, all of the skills that they cultivate should be geared towards. I, I got to become, I got to become somebody and then I'll be worthy of this. And sometimes that never comes and that becomes absolutely devastating when it never comes if it doesn't. And so it's like, you, you feel like I've lived my entire life because of this one thing and, and idolized it. And it, it's become my existence and my, my everything hasn't even started for me because I'm not married. And it's mm. like, your life was began when you were born, not when you met somebody. You right. like, it's not, it's, it is a great addition to your life. If you happen to be blessed with that, but your life is not totally, totally fulfilled. If you get married, right. It's not right. And that's find the magic formula, right? That's fault. That, that, that is probably one of the biggest, lies 
is that now that my now that I'm married, my life is complete. I'm going to have the greatest sex ever. I'm going to have it, you know, seven times a week. I, I mean, all, all the things, right? Like, I mean, it's in, in you saying, we'll talk about this in the next episode. I mean, so if you guys want to, you know, it's going to get real juicy next episode. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, but it, that's what people's expectations are. And yeah. sex is only, and we talked about this on the phone yesterday, Landon, it's, it, it's like 1% of your marriage. Like, oh, what? Yeah. like, you know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> speak for yourself, brother. <laughs> um, but, um, but it's <laughs> <laughs> I told you the boys are, the boys are here this episode, guys. Sorry. Uh, oh. but, 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 but that's, it's a, such a small part of the 40 years that you're going to be together. Right. And if, if, if that, if you feel like, well, if I get married, I've arrived. Well, you know what? As a person who's been married for 18 years, I will tell you, oh yeah, you've arrived, but you've also, you've arrived to a whole new set of, of things you never expected. I, I'm just saying, I mean, it, it, that's just marriage, right? I mean, I've always said, when you look at First Corinthians thirteen, you know love is patient, love is kind, blah blah blah, all the all the things, right? <laughs> um, you will never encounter that more in any other place than you will in your marriage, like that. Because we 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 always think about that with like treating other people. Well, I gotta be, I've gotta be patient with Kyle. I I need to, you know, you know, it's like, dude, I haven't had to be patient with Kyle nearly as much. Is I have to be patient with my wife, right? And it's probably the other way around. My wife's had to be yeah. patient with me, so I, I don't want to get in trouble here because uh, <laughs> my wife does listen to this show. She got to uh, be patient with you after hearing that statement, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Trust me, guys. I, I let let the record state the patience is definitely not on my side. It is on her side. Trust me. But, um, but you know, so we, 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 we say these things and we make this thing as a pinnacle. And I think what we need to help everybody that's listening to understand is don't get your value from, from because you have a ring on your finger. That's not where you get your value. You don't get your value from someone saying that they want to be with you for the rest of their life. Right. That that's just that's not where you your value first comes from Christ. And don't feel that you have you have all these pressures because a lot of these pressures is making people make decisions they should never make. I mean, you know, and 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 it, then it affects their 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 lives. Yeah, and that's where I, I just I kind of wanted to just to close out my thought on this is and that's why Landon, guys like you that have a voice in this are so important. Because I just think that out of the lack of answer, we've either rushed somebody into a decision they shouldn't make, or we've stalled a decision that somebody should be making. Because I've heard be content for almost every area of my life, just in the church world, bro. Like, like, but I feel like we have certain phrases that are go-to phrases because we just don't have an answer. And one thing that we tell our students in youth ministry is, we're never going to force an answer that we don't have because we can't transform your life anyway. Like that's a Jesus thing. That's a God thing. I can't, I'm not person. So if I don't have the answer, 
then I'm not going to force some feel good or because I think in the moment we feel like we have to have the answer. Like we have to be the example and we have to, no, no. But what I can do is I can point you to the one who does have, have that answer for you, you know? And so I just feel like you, you starting these conversations are going to require guys like me to become educated on it. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why I think it's important for your voice because it's going to be leaders, parents, aunts and uncles, friends. It's going to be people of all walks of life to say, I need to have this thought out because I have friends, I have family members, I have students that are going to have these questions. And I need to make sure I'm stewarding those conversations right. So the fact that you're even starting the conversation, I think is important, very important for the future of Christian dating. Right. Sorry, I'm putting more work on your plate. Uh, <laughs> you gotta, you're not no you're, you're setting us up for success is what you're doing yeah, yeah. So. and if and guys i know you know after hearing landon you're probably like man we 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 get we got to get this book to come out quickly so listen when you want to if you want to find out when his book is coming out and just and even before his book comes out as he's posting videos i'm telling you his videos are good and you know you know and if you need a little pep talk if you need like if you're struggling you know with your relationships or or things are happening or things are going on and you're just like hey i want to i i i just need some a pep talk go to go to at detox christian dating you go to at detox Christian dating, it'll put you right back into perspective, right? And these are not judgy. They're not, it, they're just, they're great. They're biblically based and it, it really helps to pull you back where you should be. And so his name is Landon Swain. He's at Detox Christian Dating, and I encourage you to follow him along with the other 28,000 or so people that are following him on TikTok on Instagram, all of that, all the places. And also, Kyle, let can you let them know where to find us? Yeah. Yep. And, and you'll you'll before this show, well, you're listening to this show. So you you've seen it on our social media pages. If you haven't, go to our social media pages, Thinking Out Loud Podcast on Facebook. We also have a Thinking Out Loud Podcast fans. And then if you go on Instagram, it's thinking underscore out loud podcast. And Usually when we advertise our speakers, we're advertising about them where you can find their books, things like that. And so, like we said, his book isn't out yet. It's being edited, but you can get a hold of his TikTok videos, things like that. So please follow us on our social medias. That's where you can find more. And if if we don't have the information, that's where you can ask us those questions. And we would love to just have the conversation with you about this, get you connected with Landon if that's something that we need to do. Yeah. And, uh, and also, if you're on an Apple device right now, do me a big favor. And could you just scroll all the way down to the bottom and rate and review the show? I'm going to keep asking. I We need your help in that. So yeah. if, if, if you're listening to us, whatever platform, if that platform gives you the opportunity to rate and review us, please go do that. We need you guys to do that. That's a, It helps us out a ton. And also you can go to our website. It's thinkingoutloudmedia.com 
thinkingoutloudmedia.com. Also on that site, you can book Kyle and I to come speak at your church or an event or roundtable discussion or town hall meeting, whatever. So if you're a pastor out there, you're a leader and you want us to come and speak at your church, we can certainly do that as well. And so, yes, we are going to get, we're going to get a little juicy next episode. So you want to make sure you, (laughs) make sure you tune into that, but we love you guys. God bless you. And we will see you next week. 